Hello everybody. Welcome to this Immunet podcast edition. My name is Avisa Verti. I am recording from Trento in Italy and I'm honored to interview Professor Betty Diamond, the director of the Institute of Molecular Medicine at the Fenstein Institute for Medical Research. We just finished the Immunet mentorment team meeting at ACR organized by the peer mentoring subgroup of Immunet. Professor Diamond received an MD from Howard Medical School. She performed a residency in internal medicine at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center and then a postdoctoral fellowship in immunology at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. So Dr. Diamond research has focused on the induction and pathogenicity of anti-double-strand DNA, anti-DNA antibodies in systemic lupus erythematosus. Welcome, Professor Diamond, and thank you for being here. We have a few questions for you. So, can you briefly tell us about your career from training until the position you achieved? Uh, so I started my career, uh, I, first I went and did a medical residency and then everybody told me I should go do a fellowship uh, and I was interested in lupus so they said go do a fellowship in rheumatology um, and I said but I want to get into a laboratory and they said no you have to do a fellowship. And when I asked why, they told me, well, what if you're not successful at research? You need to have a medical subspecialty that you're trained in. And I decided that I was just gonna go into a laboratory because I wasn't interested in making decisions based on the notion that I was gonna fail in life. I would rather make decisions based on the notion I would succeed and then have to make some new decisions if I did fail. So I went into a laboratory and I chose a laboratory really for um, my uh, mentor. And uh, I thought that what I really need is somebody who's gonna teach me to be a scientist. So I didn't go into the laboratory where the work was most interesting to me because I didn't think that that person was going to be as interested in uh, developing my career. And I think that was key in uh, uh, my uh, successes in life is choosing who to work with. And then, so I worked in an area of immunology that was interesting, but when I started my own lab, I decided that I wanted to study lupus. It was time to study lupus. And so I continued to do some work in the area I'd worked in as a postdoc so that I could keep writing papers and having some uh, uh, visibility in the research community, but I started to work on lupus. And uh, I just continued since then working on lupus, going from mice to humans to clinical trials to, and, you know, sort of always trying to do very basic uh, biology 
and then understand how that applies to uh, disease. Because I think we know a ton about basic immunology, but when we actually try to understand disease, we're not so very good. So trying to bridge that distance has been uh, what I've been trying to do. And can you tell us more about your research work? So I, I think of uh, the laboratory as really having three areas of work. One is sort of basic uh, B cell biology, where we started off showing that lupus in, uh, autoantibodies could be generated by somatic mutation of antimicrobial antibodies. And more recently, we've shown, I think, that one of the major defects in lupus is that the B cells are more likely to become plasma cells. So if you're making more plasma cells, you don't need a higher percentage of them to be autoreactive to have more autoantibodies in your serum. You just have that, have a higher titer of autoantibodies because you have more B cells or plasma cells producing them. And then we've shown that there seem to be two paths to plasma cell differentiation in lupus patients, either extrafollicular or through a germinal center. And we have developed some algorithms to try to, under, to show which patient is which, because we think that there may be different therapeutic interventions depending on whether you develop your plasma cells through an extrafollicular or a germinal center pathway. And we're now doing work to sort of prove that. Another area that we've worked on is C1Q biology, because 90% of people lacking C1Q develop lupus. And we're interested in uh, C1Q in terms of how it mediates immune homeostasis. And so we discovered that layer one is the cellular receptor, inhibitory receptor for C1Q, and that uh, cross-linking rage and layer one can differentiate uh, monocytes to be anti-inflammatory macrophages, uh, and that uh, to make uh, IL-10 and uh, PDL1 uh, and to make uh, resolvins instead of leukotrienes. And we're trying to turn that into uh, therapeutics and see if we can't make a therapeutic that um, engages the layer one receptor on monocytes. And then over the last 20 years, a major part of the lab's research has been on uh, looking at neuropsychiatric lupus, because we discovered that a subset of anti-DNA antibodies cross-reacts with the NMDA receptor and is a positive allosteric modulator. So it enhances NMDA receptor signaling, which can actually lead to excitotoxic death. And uh, when this happens, uh, there's microglial activation as the microglia clear up the uh, neuronal debris. And then these microglia go on to prune neurons, chewing up their synapses 
and causing uh, a cognitive uh, dysfunction. I think one of the amazing things that we showed in a mouse model and have imaging data for in uh, lupus patients is that this can actually be reversible. And that if you stop the microglia from pruning, the neurons will acquire a normal uh, morphology with normal synaptic connections and improve cognition. So, and by imaging modalities, we seem to see that uh, certain patients with lupus can also improve their neural networks. So we're going on to a clinical trial to see if ACE inhibitors will in fact stop synaptic pruning by microglia, suppress microglial activation in humans like they do in patients. So that very briefly is the work we do in the lab. So, which is a lot. <laughs> so you said that your aim is to do trans, uh, translational research. So how do you think your research changed the way we see lupus? Well, I think that in, in neuropsychiatric lupus, I think that it brought neuropsychiatric lupus into the arena where one can do clinical trials to see if you improve the disease. And when, um, before we started with our research, if you went to any meeting with the FDA about lupus, everybody would say, well, you can't study neuropsychiatric lupus. It's a black box that we can't do clinical trials there. And I think what's changed is we can't do clinical trials there. It's got biology like any other organ system and we can study it and we can see if our therapeutic interventions alter it. So that's major because, you know, cognitive uh, dysfunction uh, is, and fatigue are the two things that lupus patients complain of most. And one of those, frankly, both of those, we weren't even trying to treat when we treat lupus patients. So taking one of those and saying we can do clinical trials of cognitive impairment is just huge for lupus patients. I think the other way is to think about um, uh, B cells in lupus. And early on, it was to think about whether lupus might be triggered by microbial infection in susceptible people. I'm still very fond of this hypothesis, though um, the truth is, I think the data neither refute nor support it. It's been a hard one to actually get conclusive uh, data on. But I think now uh, to really focus on plasma cell differentiation as opposed to um, generalized B cell depletion or B cell inactivation uh, is an important way to start thinking about lupus therapeutics. Uh, we've been one of the major groups involved in the Accelerated Medicines Partnership looking at lupus necritis and doing single cell transcriptomics in the kidney. I think, you know, it's early yet 
but uh, the goal is to have new therapeutic targets and a new understanding of heterogeneity of lupus nephritis. And I think that will come from these studies. Um, so I think that there's been really a, a lot that's uh, changed. You know, our current treatment of lupus um, is just too immunosuppressive. And a third of lupus patients die of infection when there's really no good evidence that they're more susceptible to infection uh, by virtue of their disease. It seems as if it's really the medications that make them susceptible to infection. So we got to do better than that. And I think that these are all pathways uh, towards that. And I'd like to conclude with a more general question. So which can be the direction of uh, translational research in autoimmune diseases in general and in lupus specifically, in your opinion? Oh, gee. You know, I think there's so <laughs> much. I mean, metabolism is a hot area, and it's a hot area in part because some of the ways to modify metabolic pathways in cells don't seem so terribly toxic. So it, it may be a way to intervene therapeutically without a lot of side effects. The same for the microbiome. There's certainly data from mouse models that you change the microbiome and you can get rid of lupus, frankly. And, mouse strains that are prone to get lupus. Uh, so that's another area where one thinks, at least at the moment, that you can change the microbiome, that you won't enormously um, uh, injure patients by doing that, and you might, in fact, protect them uh, uh, from developing lupus or from uh, exacerbations of their lupus. Though I have to say there are investigators of the microbiome who would say you change their microbiome and they become completely different people who are going to have different responses to different questions. <laughs> and so I don't know whether changing the microbiome is as innocuous as uh, it seems at the moment. I think neuroimmune interactions are huge how the brain responds to systemic inflammation and senses it and uh, responds to it or is damaged by it and how the brain controls systemic inflammation. And that's just uh, got enormous opportunities for intervention. And one of the things that we really don't study at all is lupus patients in remission. So we don't really understand in people who have the genetic susceptibility or the constellation of experiences that have made them get lupus, how they control their disease. And maybe if we understood that better, we would know what our therapeutic goal should be without it being immunosuppressive. So I think that um, 
uh, that's an area that we need to study a ton more because there may be some really good insights there. Thank you very much for your time. We really appreciated the discussion for the Unit podcast. So thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you. And it was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.